Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Dan Feldman. We've got a lot of great stuff going on at Dunked On Prime. We have six episodes a week ad-free, including one with Nate and John Hollinger. We've got the Daily Dunks. We have the Daily Dunks audio. We have salary cap sheets and much more. Uh, We also have this episode that you're about to listen to ad-free. If you enjoy it, maybe consider signing up. You can join Dunked On Prime at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. I welcome on to a Thursday edition. We got some news that's piled up uh, and then got a fun topic to get. It's actually something that was suggested by a listener that we go back and actually look at our judgments of some of the worst contracts in the NBA and see how those actually ended up turning out, whether we were right about them or not, because our rule always was that they had to go for at least two years. So we decided to take them up on it and go back and see how we did in some of those judgments. Let's start here with the news. What do we got? Damian Lillard left that loss that the Blazers had to Miami with a right calf strain that has been updated per the Blazers to it is a grade one calf strain. And that is um, thankfully the least severe of them. He will be reevaluated in one to two weeks. Yeah, just when everything was going great for the Blazers, uh, he went out and as we always say, if a muscle injury is bad enough that you have to leave the game, you're probably looking at a, an absence of at least a week, possibly more. He said, oh, if it was the playoffs, I could have come back. But whether he could have or not, it looks like he's going to miss some time now. And really a shame because he was had been fantastic. Much now will fall on Anthony Simons, but there really is not a tertiary creator. I guess that's going to be Jeremy Grant at this point. This also means that Keon Johnson is really going to have to be forced into backup point guard duties. Maybe they'll have Justice Winslow do some of that as well. Maybe they'll try to get more scoring from Shaden Sharp on the second unit. I'm not sure whether he's ready for that or not, but yeah, this is the Damian Lillard is probably one of the 10 most important players in the league as far as what he means for his team actually winning games during the regular season. And so losing him is a blow for a team that was going pretty well. And I, of course, I just said with John, oh yeah, I would revise their prediction up to be like, you know, 43, 45 wins or so. And now this happens, but hey, if this is the only injury absence that he has this year, this is the uh, goes towards the 10 games that everybody misses these days. Sure. And hopefully that's all it is. We'll we'll have to see going forward. The, this is a challenging stretch for the Blazers after they face the Rockets on Friday. It's Memphis, Phoenix, Phoenix, Miami is their next stretch. Three of those four on the road. So these are games that they, you know, they would have had a, they would have had a better chance, but Simons and other guys can step up. I'm, I'm excited to see what can happen there. In New Orleans, you and I don't usually touch too heavy on rookie scale options unless it's a close call or surprising. And one of them for the Pelicans was not a close call, and that was picking up Trey Murphy's option. But the other one was Kyra Lewis, and this is actually one that I've been keeping an eye on because Lewis owed $5.7 million for next season for 23-24, and Kyra Lewis is still recovering from a torn ACL. And because the Pelicans are so close to the tax for that year, yet they are picking up that option. So they will pay Kyra Lewis $5.7 million for next season. Yeah, this is one of those where you might say, hey, let's let it ride. And if he has another injury, then we've got these tax concerns. We'll just let him go. And 
Of course, there are many reasons why that doesn't happen, even in, if in sort of a cold analysis, that might be the more likely decision to pay off. He tore the ACL about this time last year. I think it was in November. So you'd think he'd be getting close to being back on the floor in practice, especially with the guard depth they have. We're probably not going to see him until January. He'll probably send some time in Birmingham as well. So it seems very unlikely he could do enough this year that paying him up to the 5.7 million that you can pay him wouldn't be enough. But he might just say, hey, there's so much guard depth, I'd rather go somewhere else instead and those any other team could pay him as much as they want to the Pels would be limited to what that option would have been if they declined it we've seen some guys return in that situation it's been a very rare time that a team has rejected that option and then been upset about it there's probably only two three instances I can think of but part of the reason for that is teams are usually extremely conservative about retaining their draft picks even if they haven't shown much and this of course would be his fourth season coming up and really to have not shown anything in the first three years it's not shocking in theory that they want to move on from him but whether it's sending the right message about players who are being drafted that if you get drafted here the organization will be invested in you or just simply the optics of having a completely failed draft pick or the optics of oh you tore your acl and now we're just going to give up on you that quickly you never even had a chance to prove yourself all of these things lead to more of these options probably getting picked up than they should but i think most of these teams just see it as such a downside if you do make the wrong call on this that just doing the thing that everyone does is just easier and that's why you rarely see those options declined unless it's just obvious What's notable to me is that teams have not responded to a, like a really it's a small sample size. But the element of this that some of the you could call it mistake declinings of options have actually not hurt that team, most notably Kevon Looney and Furkan Korkmaz, both of whom have stayed on the team beyond that point, have made contracts after that point because you're not allowed to sign when it's richer. That's you know, they're not it's not a loophole for the for those rookie scale guys. But, you know, like Kevon Looney, the Warriors declined his option. They ended up bringing him back. Korkmaz, the same thing. And so you could say, like, well, for New Orleans, like, he's going to go into this. He's going to go into that year. You can't pay him more than the 5.7 if you decline it. But if that's probably enough. And what's interesting is that a lot of those guys haven't changed teams. But especially when that front office is the one that took the player in question, they're typically going to believe in their picks. And because... Even with the reforms, rookie scale options usually aren't that much money. Like I think you get into those. But that why Kyra Lewis was so interesting is because this is a circumstance where $5 million could matter. And so they could do that. But theoretically, hopefully, he has a bounce back second half or even maybe last three quarters of this year. And then they're thrilled to have him for that. That would be fantastic. Uh, yeah, and really, the, probably the most famous instance of a team declining the option and then regretting it was when it kind of seemed like Larry Bird didn't understand the rules with Solomon Hill but then Solomon Hill ended up getting what turned out to be a bad contract but that was after his third year he had a nice playoffs in 16 and was able to go sign like a 50 million dollar contract with the Pels and then of course ended up getting bounced around and never really delivered on the promise that he showed in that playoff series against the Raptors but the Pacers would have just had him under contract on his rookie deal as a late pick for another year and so maybe they would have either continued to develop him or he would have just not played well but if that's like the worst example you can point to of a team regretting it it's like that's not but other times as you mentioned like with Looney they kind of let it ride and they got lucky what else we got here let's stay in New Orleans Brandon Ingram is in the concussion protocol he missed that New Orleans-Dallas game, as did Herb Jones. But Ingram is not traveling with the Pels on this road trip, so he's going to miss at least three additional games. Definitely a concern. Yeah, and I think, does he have a concussion history? I think he does, but... I seem to recall him having one before, but I'm not 100% on that. Yeah, in 2018, he had a concussion and of course this was deemed concussion-like symptoms this time at first but now obviously he's in the protocol and and will be for some time and then Herb Jones a right knee hyperextension didn't play in that Dallas game nor did Zion with the bruised butt and they are both questionable for their game on Friday. Grant Williams uh, he made contact with an official in that game that the 
Celtics lost to the Bulls on Monday, so he is going to sit on Friday. The Celtics were not pleased with the decision, but it looks like it's it's going to hold. So they'll play without him in a game that they could really use Grant Williams considering Cleveland's front line. Yeah, and Dan wrote about this in the Daily Dunks or did. spoke about it in the audio version. And he said basically, like, whether it's accidental or not, you need to not make contact with an official that you can't. Because otherwise, guys could just be like, oh, it was accidental. When they do, it's like, no, you can't can't do that. The Nets are still dealing with the absence of Seth Curry. Hopefully, he'll return soonish, but I don't. I haven't seen. Like, it seems like there's vague optimism, but we haven't gotten anything specific yet. He's like the phrasing, like close to return, but we haven't really gotten a threshold there. And then Joe Harris has returned, but they're giving him some maintenance back-to-back rest, so he's not playing on Thursday. Remember, they had that Wednesday night prime time or national TV game against the Bucks. Yeah, and Harris has been limited to the low 20s and minutes. I'm sure they would love to be playing him 35 minutes a game because he actually has some size and some shooting on the wing, which they, again, somehow seem pretty bereft of. And Brian Windhorst went on TV today and said that he's been talking to scouts who believe that Simmons is almost relieved when he gets into this foul trouble. He doesn't have to be on the floor and that he's scared to shoot in the lane. There's a an instance yesterday when Kyrie passed it to him and said, shoot it, and he just passed out of it to someone else. And they ended up scoring in the possession, but still. And then Kyrie gave a, a defense of him. But I don't like to get into guys' head to the extent of like, hey, they are fouling so they don't have to be out there anymore. I mean, that's, scouts don't know that. Like, there's no way, that's just total speculation. I don't give a lot of credence to that. However, the fact is, he's been playing bad on defense, and he's been playing bad on offense. And he's not, this is a guy who scored in the mid-teens when he was in Philly. If Brooklyn's going to be a contender, he can't be having these single-digit scoring games. And so he just needs to get better, and it's getting late early there. The Kyrie Simmons KD triumvirate is negative 30 on the season already, which is not great, and they barely won one game so far. In Atlanta, Bogdan Bogdanovich coming back from that right knee surgery. Just a, a brief update there since we talked about that earlier in the week. He's been limited to light shooting and doesn't really have an official timetable for return, and the Hawks, as I thought they might have really struggled to shoot the ball early on but fortunately for them they've had a pretty cake schedule the charlotte hornets are unfortunately probably still going to be without terry rozier in their game friday against the magic he is dealing with a sprained right ankle in as i said he's doubtful dennis smith jr has been taking the lead there and then we've seen an extended absence for cody martin who tweaked his left knee back in their season opener and we do not have a timeline on him steve clifford said hopefully it's not anything that that that's going to linger but you know it's already been over a week so we'll have to keep an eye on it yeah catching up on a few other things zach levine had that nice game we talked about yesterday against the pacers but he's questionable for the next game they got a back-to-back over the weekend presumably he only plays in one of those two games Darius Garland was hoping to come back on Friday. He's not going to make it uh, with that lacerated eyelid. It's going to be a little bit more time. Ho- hopefully he him. plays on Sunday on the NBA strategy stream. Uh, yes. Although I still am very interested in Cleveland even without that. Yeah, that'll actually be fun, especially for international listeners. You might be able to see it at not too late of a, a time. It's at 6 o'clock Eastern, 3 Pacific, if memory serves. For Dallas, Tim Hardaway Jr. didn't play in that game against the Pels on Tuesday, right foot soreness. That's something to monitor because that's uh, the foot that he broke. Oh, no, sorry. I misspoke. It was actually a left foot injury that he had. So maybe it's a compensation thing. Maybe not, but that's less concerning. Um, Uh, Yeah, I I think, no, his surgery, it looks like his surgery. Wait, I'm seeing both. (laughs) Um, All right, hold on. All right, ESPN.com, Tim Hardaway has surgery on broken left foot. I'm seeing left more than right. <laughs> Fifth metatarsal. I was at that game. I thought I remembered it being his left foot. It also this might is... have been a summary mistake. Yeah, let's go with left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we're we're just locked in today. Well, I mean, it happens. It's um, But 
but I, I, want, to apo- I, want, to, I want to apologize yeah. um, when I was laying out the Mavericks rotation over the weekend and kind of the wrap up the like the the, re- the roundup that we were doing. I said that Davis Bertans was out of the rotation. I had not remembered that he is missing time due to a right knee injury. We do not have a return timeline. I still don't think he's going to be in the rotation even after he returns, but we cannot fully evaluate whether Jason Kidd intends for him to be in or out until that juncture. And I, I think he should be in because playing Josh Green and Faku together, I don't think is going to be sustainable. That Which is definitely consideration. The and then game. Frank Nokina hasn't played so far due to a right ankle issue. We I haven't seen anything definitive on a timeline yet with him either. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. didn't play in Denver's win over the Lakers. There's hope he could be back against Utah on Friday. He's listed as questionable for that game with a lumbar management. But again, this wasn't a back-to-back. This didn't seem like planned rest. It seemed like there was actually something there. KCP actually was a left ankle sprain, not a knee issue in the end. So he's questionable for Friday's game against the Jazz. Also, this is one that Dan wrote about. I don't really have much to add to it because we don't know any of the details. But the Depistons uh, brought in Rob Murphy as an assistant general manager. He's now on leave after the organization is investigating an allegation of workplace misconduct involving a former female employee. Uh, I don't really know much about uh, Rob Murphy or the role that, that he was going to be in there, but obviously any of those allegations are troubling, given that there seem to be a fair number of these in the NBA. For the Houston Rockets, we talked about it a little bit last night, but Jay Sean Tate made his season debut after dealing with a right ankle sprain. He played 20 minutes against Utah, scoring seven points in those 20 minutes. And then Bruno Fernando and Ty Ty Washington sounds like it's going to be a while on both of them. Will, I mean, it's really sucks for Bruno Fernando who got the fully guaranteed contract for this year, but has a lot of non guarantees after that, but you know, was a starter before he, before he was battling this lefty knee soreness. So we'll have to see then for the Pacers, Miles Turner made his season debut. I guess he was on the floor for the season opener, but that didn't play because of the accident that happened um but he's back now and then but daniel tice is dealing with the sore right knee he has not yet played and another one of those players where we're not exactly sure where he fits in the rotation because if turner and isaiah jackson are both available you could play two bigs together it's certainly something that has happened in indiana before but they're you know we'll see we'll see what rick carlisle actually wants to do yeah and they've done some jalen smith at center batadze has played some too it seems like they're hoping to just find out what they have in all those guys but it, Tice could be available maybe for another trade. And if they're trying to win games, he's probably, frankly, better than anyone else they have other than Turner. For the as Lakers, the, yeah, oh, go sorry, ahead, sorry. As of this recording, um, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook are both questionable for the Lakers game on Friday against the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota. That will be their chance to get off the schneid and get to one and four. Well, of course, keep an eye on that. Yeah, AD, low back soreness. We talked about yesterday how he kind of got pushing the back a little bit in a rebounding action by Jokic and Russ. Uh, of course, it's the hamstring, but a reminder that he supposedly will come off the bench if he is available. And then this is a big one here, Danny. Yeah. Zaire Williams, they've actually been a little bit more specific here on his injury, with, but he's going to miss four to six weeks now with patellar tendonitis. It had been knee soreness that seemed like it was more of a temporary thing. You hate to see, too, with a, a guy who's that young, to be having knee issues like this kind of these overuse type of injuries but if you have tendonitis that's that bad that you have to miss this amount of time to fix it that's it's pretty pretty much an issue and so it's going to be more laravia more roddy still even with dylan brooks back now they don't really have much at backup on the wing john conchar is going to play a lot you know, i trust him more in the rotation roddy and laravia haven't proven that yet Victor Oladipo is not traveling with the Heat on their road trip due to left knee tendinosis. And then Omer Yurtsevin, there had been optimism that he would be healthy enough to play by the end of the month, but he looks like that might not happen due to a left ankle impingement that has put more on the shoulders of Dwayne Dedman. We'll have to keep an eye on that as things move forward. And then Minnesota, we talked when we talked about that game that they lost 
to those to the Spurs on Monday, they were dealing with the absence of Kyle Anderson due to back spasms, and there's a chance that he will be back for the aforementioned game against the Lakers on Friday. Hopefully, he can return for the New York Knickerbockers. Quentin Grimes is still out due to the sore left foot. I'd love to see him in the Knicks rotation, and then Josh Giddy ruled out for Thursday's return match against the Clippers due to a right right ankle issue. Oh yeah, that was such a classic. I can't wait to watch the rematch for Orlando Jalen Suggs it sounds like they're the tone is that this is a pretty bad ankle issue for him and I remember all the ankle issues that he's had as well sprained right ankle for him uh, now we can play this game again was that the same ankle he had surgery on last year yeah stress fracture in his right ankle and that was due to a bunch of ankle sprains as well so that's Again, it's still being that same ankle. That's a concern. Uh, that's probably part of maybe why the tone was a little somber, it, it seemed like. And it seems to be more severe than your standard like day-to-day type of ankle sprain. Uh, we just don't know when we're going to see him. We haven't talked about this at all. Mo Wagner is out with a right midfoot sprain. But they have plenty of bigs, actually. That's the one thing they're not hurting for. But they are hurting. We didn't see this in the game yesterday, but Cole Anthony suffered an oblique injury. Don't know the timetable on that yet, but again, muscle muscle injury that shows up on the injury report. You know, usually it's going to be a matter of a, a week or two, and obliques maybe even more so. Kind of feels like again this, especially if Shams is tweeting about it, that it probably means that it's going to be more than just hey, he's going to miss a game or two type of thing. Thankfully. Keegan Murray is going to get his first NBA start in the regular season later on Thursday against the Memphis Grizzlies. Extremely excited to see him in their starting five, see how that shifts things now and moving forward for the Sacramento Kings. Devin Vassell is dealing with left knee soreness, so he missed Wednesday's loss. Another one of those return matches that kind of regressed to the mean against the Wolves. They were They lost by 12 after winning the previous one. And then for Toronto, Scotty Barnes did end up playing. Um, he played 33 minutes. and He had had that um, right ankle sprain in the NBA strategy stream game that we did against the Heat. He came back, played 33 minutes at 16 points in a 10-point win over Philly. But Otto Porter still has not debuted. He is dealing with a hamstring issue, listed as doubtful, but we'll have to see when he actually debuts. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well, I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor 
for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. All right, this is going to be fun. I think let's just go back in order here. We've done this just about every year to look at the worst contracts in the NBA. Maybe we'll do a separate episode on the best contracts. But some of these have aged pretty well. I would say most of them have. Others have not. So let's begin. The last time we did this was February 17th, 2021, as far as I can tell. I ranked my number one worst contract in the NBA as Russell Westbrook at the time. And uh, part of that was because he still had more time to run than number two and made more than number two, Blake Griffin and number three, Kevin Love. And I don't know, what do you you think? How do you think that's age? Obviously, Love now was in the six-man conversation a year ago. He was playing well. But uh, Westbrook, I think, has clearly been the most damaging contract maybe of anyone who is on this list because he's actively hurt his team the last year and change. But that wasn't entirely the spirit of this. Like, there are other teams where he could have provided some production and just been kind of overpaid rather than just completely torpedoing well, a championship contender. But but an important consideration, I remember we talked about this at the time, was Russell Westbrook this year, because, you know, we don't focus typically on the year that is currently existing on those contracts. Russell Westbrook is making $47.1 million. Kevin Love is making 289 so oh, yeah that the, you know, it's the the kind of the volume that it's underwater and so with russell westbrook sort of like john wall who was in his own unusual situation a year ago who then got bought out and signed with clippers so he's still 40.9 million on just the houston books but if you want to do like his contract i believe was basically the same amount as russell westbrook's so that was 47 million so he's a consideration there and it's notable i mean that only one of these three ended up getting bought out but part of the reason and that was blake griffin part of that is because of who was willing to leave money on the table the overall situations that they were in but blake i mean it is i mean it is also interesting i mean so if you want to throw john wall into this conversation which is kind of there is just the players who were extremely important to the franchise that signed them to that contract and just as even as salaries were rising not as much during covid but as they were rising it's like oh that'll be that'll be totally worth it and it just it just wasn't quite and what what's also interesting kind of piecing it back together this will be probably when we go even further into the past i believe that the two of us criticized all of your top three when they were signed which is not necessarily in this case none of them were the year we're talking about right now well i don't think i criticized westbrook at the time i, I think it was oh more, yeah well because like, like well was, no it was, was one of those like we understand why they're doing it but we know it's going to be terrible at the end yes although we've been wrong on some of those too to be sure. fair um but but and also worth noting recall the date on this right this is february of 21 westbrook was awful the first two months of the season with washington and then actually really came on and helped them make it to the playoffs after they had just a completely atrocious start like at this point it looked like there's absolutely no way they're making the playoffs you know the 538 odds so i had them at like one percent and all that so he actually did provide value in that season and i think you know if he had just stayed in a place like washington he probably would have still continued to provide somewhat similar value to that uh so I, I'm not sure, I mean, because Blake Griffin, he would just get completely bought out by the Pistons shortly after this. Now, the fact that he bought out and, and like, they actually saved, like, I don't know, it was like six million bucks a season on that. I, I think the fact that you could, like, pay him to go away almost as, like, an underrated <laughs> benefit. Well, and that's also a part of the story with Kemba, where Kemba Walker took nine, you know, he saved the Thunder a bunch of money on that buyout. And then made that money with the Knicks and then eventually got bought out of that. But, you know, that did that did save. So Kemba, he's only on the Thunder book for this year. He's only on the books for 27.4. Yeah, but Griffin, obviously, basically just didn't contribute. I mean, he was 
He actually was like did a little something in the playoffs, but he he's been a minimum player since then for a reason. He's surprising that he's even still in the league at this point. So I, I think if I had to go back and redo it, I probably would have Blake a little bit higher than Russ, just in terms of just negative value over these years. But now Russ also is he still has an additional year at the forty-seven million, even more than Blake was making. So we may the story is still not yet to be written. But I do think it's a little unfair to Westbrook that hilariously because this team traded for him he's been in one of the worst possible basketball situations he could be in these sure. last two years uh, let's talk about a couple of the vindication rejuvenations well, that well we didn't been- talk kevin love too like he he basically you know was like missing a ton of time over these previous years and now he's all of a sudden healthy and you know, i think kevin love is probably been a 15 million dollar a year player last year and he's making low 30s so that's not to only have 15 million of negative value in one of these years was good but also and i think he'll continue to be about a 15 million dollar player this year if he plays the same way he did last year but he also had had did almost nothing in the 21 season and because love's specific limitations made it unlikely that he could be a starter on a successful team and how you know we've talked about the basketball ecosystem of what of love's high or sorry college teammate russell westbrook love is in a very favorable situation because they had two defensive stalwarts that they could pair with him and they needed somebody with his offensive prowess to, to make it sense. And Love looked better in this circumstance. And because he, they didn't need to lean on him as a starter, then that put him in a better position to succeed. So, yeah, I would say he's one of the rejuvenations. And then the other two that came to mind that weren't in the like firm conversation for worst, but also but their contracts definitely look better now than they did before are Andrew Wiggins and Al Horford. So Andrew Wiggins, I mean, there have been various moments like when we go back through these chronologically that he would be firmly on the list. And then in part due to his massive improvement as a player, you know, getting better defensively, toning down some of the worst parts of his offensive game and becoming a more reliable shooter, he has become a better basketball player. And you combine that with positional scarcity and being put in an extremely favorable basketball situation. He went from being a very negative value contract to being a at worst completely reasonable and like looking at his future extension pretty damn positive contract yeah it seems that way both he and clay thompson like i had wiggins in the cat and horford in the category of decent player but still way overpaid wiggins i think improved to the level where that wasn't even necessarily the case for him by the end of last year with his performance in the playoffs and clay yeah, we knew he was going to miss all of 21 and probably about half of 22 at this point. That's where a lot of that came from. But then he came back and obviously contributed to a championship team. You know, he's probably more of a 20, $25 million a year player at this point, And he's still making 43. So there is plenty of negative value there. But there's just a completely different category of guys where it's like, hey, this is... Tobias Harris would fall into this category too. Of just, hey, this is a guy who can still play and help your team some particularly if they're on the right team and they're overpaid by a lot versus just this guy is either killing your team or he's just totally off the team bought out whatever um also pretty noteworthy danny that well i guess we could talk about horford too he was just on that okc rest plan he had actually played well the first couple months of the season in okc and then just was shut down after that but then even then after being traded to boston i think he exceeded expectations quite a bit to the point where i don't if you're gonna say he was overpaid a little bit last year like it wasn't by much i mean this and and you could also point to the decision that brad stevens made to pay him because horford's his court his contract did get significantly more guaranteed by virtue of the celtics making the nba finals there was only a five million dollar variance between the guaranteed amount but honestly, even point. if it had been at the original 14.5 of 26.5, they would have picked it up. Like, that's just how important no. Horford has been for them. So yeah. I, th- I think that's, you know, a positive. And then... And, and, well, and quickly on Horford, too. You, Thompson is like this. Wiggins maybe was at this point until he really performed last year of just, hey, if you're a good team and you have a good player who helps you, being overpaid is not necessarily the end of the world at that point, as long as you're willing to actually, like, pay the tax and stuff, right? That That's one of the things about the Warriors where you can look at a lot of guys on their roster in theory who at one time or another would have been considered overpaid but are still good players who can help you win a championship and Horford fell into that category but I mean we were you know because remember Al Horford ended up in OKC because he just got like straight up dumped and we thought that they did pretty well to just uh, fully did pretty well to just give up one draft pick uh to dump him 
And then it was, but he rehabbed enough to where he got dumped for another player who really should have been on this list. And at this point, he was just like kind of coming back. He had been an all-star the previous year. He'd played pretty well in the playoffs in 2020. And then he was just, you know, kind of on this minutes limit. But Kemba Walker went from just like an all-star level to bought out and can't even find a job in less than two years. It's pretty stunning. And he was definitely a contributing factor towards the Knicks starting five having so much defensive trouble last year. But I mean, for him to not even have a backup job right now, and I mean, calling the Pistons bluff so that he wouldn't take a buyout ended up as of now being the right decision. I'm optimistic that he will find a home eventually because unfortunately, point guards will get hurt over the course of the year and Kemba Walker is a capable player. But the margins for kind of veterans who can't stay healthy get a lot get a lot tighter and i mean uh, it's not an exact analogy but so um there's a clip that was going around a little bit of vince carter on his podcast talking about russell westbrook and it was the idea that basically stars and of course he's relevant to this conversation that stars eventually have to make kind of decisions about whether they're going to fit in or anything like that and the ancillary of that is teams are far more willing to tolerate unreliability or like all of that when you're good enough when they think that the ceiling is there i mean we're seeing that with the clippers with Kawhi is probably the most extreme example of modern vintage and once they once you reach the point where a team isn't as optimistic that you can help them like that your peak value is there then it gets a lot harder for them to justify it because if you have to have an extra backup point guard because you don't think Kemba walker is going to be able to play every night then that you know that's a 15th roster spot you maybe you can burn a two-way on it but it's a lot to ask who else sticks out uh, on this list too? So uh, to, just to reiterate, our top four, were, were, I think you were pretty similar here. We figured there's no point in like you know trying to square our two lists, so we're just using mine. But I had Westbrook one, Griffin two, Caleb three, Clay four. Uh, was there anyone else that really like sticks out to you that we just missed on in particular in either direction? I I don't know how to deal with Davis Bertans in this. Like Bertans. When he's available, I think, and his contract isn't that lucrative. It's like $17 million a year, and then he has a partial guarantee on the 24-25 component of it. But he was traded as pretty much negative salary during the 21-22 season. So I think that's, we, we can just, I don't think he's top four, but I think that he, he can merit some conversation there. And then there's also the group that, you know, maintain downside risk. And you know, th- those players, that that's where Kemba Walker was. Like, injuries or performance can weigh them down. And, like, Eric Bledsoe is basically out of the league at this point. Um, yeah, I, I, he basically spent a year of just, just about dead salary and got dumped as dead salary uh, to, to the Grizz and then got moved to the Clippers and another basically money-saving move. Um, yeah, so, so that one, I think we're, we probably should have been, there's still a hope that he could contribute in New Orleans, but that was waning at, at the time of this middle of the 21 season. Yeah. And there were a lot of contracts that the jazz were holding onto that I was a little bit queasy about. I mean, the headliner there would obviously be Rudy Gobert. So if we're talking about this in 21, 22, including that season, he had, oh no, so yeah, so yeah the 21-22 season yeah. hadn't yet started. So that means, so yeah. his contract was five years, 205 with a player option on that fifth year. So there's plenty of plenty of downside risk that we talked about then. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich at 18-7 and then 19-6, which then, you know, that whole circumstance ended up resolving with Kelly Olynyk and the Pistons, which was a little bit weird. Ah. Uh, I mean, Dwight Powell still exists, but again, that's like, it's not hugely negative. It's like, there's a separate category, which is like bad, but not that catastrophic for your books. And like, I would say Dwight Powell, like Dwight, Dwight Powell was an ill-advised contract and extension, but it's not as damaging as like Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And he's could contributed. I've kind of had this position about Tice too, to where, all right, he's really more of a backup that the going rate for those guys is five million he's making 10 it's not the end of the world it's more the end of the world than on that specific team where they made some penny pinching moves and cost themselves jalen brunson uh i mean deandre jordan i had under the smaller but crazy group and dwight paul maybe wasn't didn't deserve to be in there uh al farouk aminu <laughs> remember him he got salary dumped twice since then so i think we were right on on that one that was one of the worst mid-level exception signings ever even though i wasn't totally against it at the time 
And but yeah, DeAndre is got bought out of the last two years of his contract after getting salary dumped, and it was just amazing that they somehow didn't have to give up a first round pick to do that. Let's see who I'm trying to think if there's anyone who just wasn't on this list at all that we probably should have that we should have considered. I mean, there's a few that we just were straight up wrong on, right? Like uh, like a few I was concerned about were like either injuries or being a veteran. Like Eric Gordon, for example, at his age, we thought he was just he was kind of in the midst of uh, this change in Houston. And he's making almost twenty million a year, but he's actually been worth that. He's oh, played oh, at that oh, level. You want one? We should have mentioned. See, I, th- I don't know when we're going to do worst contracts in the league right now, but when we should have mentioned then. But we couldn't have seen everything coming. Remember where? Remember where our lives? The NBA was in February of twenty one. Ben Simmons. Like Simmons at that point, we were more optimistic. We couldn't have necessarily seen what was going to happen in the playoffs that year and then subsequently missing the entire season. He was in the midst of like an all-star and all-NBA season and the the Sixers were on the path to being the number one seed that year. Even I, who's probably always been lowest on Ben Simmons, basically since 2019, I've been lower on Simmons than just about anyone, even though I I liked him number one in that draft, of course. But from basically, once the time they got Jimmy Butler on, I was very skeptical of him. But even I couldn't put him on this list necessarily. I mean, he it was, you'd, I, I took the op, the position that, hey, maybe he's still a little bit overpaid at the max, but he was still giving you good production. And then, that right. Was, that, you know, I, I'm saying job. he's, I'm saying he's a hindsight addition at right, that right. juncture, yeah. not a, yeah. If we were going to go back and look at, it, but even then, yeah, he gave him, he, he sat out an entire year and now he's looked terrible again and, you know, didn't give them anything in the playoffs, even though he was good in the regular season. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, sadly, Oh. Was to, was right to be on this list. Draymond, I was worried that he might fall off, and no, he actually still is playing at, at a very high level. He's been totally worth his contract since then. Uh, oh, I want, else? I want to yeah. apologize. Gobert had not yet signed his extension. Or no, he did. He had signed it. He oh, signed we, just, it in did, the, we didn't have the terms yet. Is that what it was? No, 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 no. He signed it, but it just. I'm didn't going kick through in. my old sheets. Yeah, no, he he had signed. He and Mitchell, I think, both signed in the. Or is his is his designated player extension just kicking in this year? No, he signed it in the twenty off season, right? But to kick in for last year. So Gobert's extension was signed in December of twenty twenty. Right. Okay. So before the twenty season or the twenty twenty one season. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So he was already on that deal. We knew it would go out five years. We just didn't know the exact number because yeah. it was based on the cap but yeah he signed the designated player veteran extension at that time and you know he gave he was defensive player of the year in 21 i thought he should have been last year also so he's given them some value so far but we'll see he still has four years left on that so that might be still a time where well and another one that could have gone in the smaller but crazy group that we didn't mention at the time was terrence ross who you know making about 12 and a half million a year and just hasn't been that level of player i think that the, he he there's been some lingering stuff like i i think he's a like a below average backup over these last few years he was of course a lot better than that early in his career but we know if we're looking back on 2020 slash 21 and beyond i would say he's a below market contract Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because 
you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easier room slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Do you want to talk about old friend D'Angelo Russell? Yeah, he spent a lot of that first year injured. He's come back and he's played at about the level of like the 25th best point guard in basketball, 20th, 25th best point guard in basketball. I'd say he stayed healthy last year, doesn't have any long-term injury issues now. And, and another player who's danced around on, on, at least on the periphery of these lists for me is CJ McCollum and... He might continue yeah. to dance on the periphery of these lists. And so at that point, he still had, I think it was three years left. And then now that has been extended, of course, with his successful part in the Pelicans playoff run last year. Yeah, as has Damian Lillard, who we were worried about. And again, he, he started to look better again. But the the contract was, wasn't bad enough that they didn't just extend it at an even higher rate <laughs> afterwards, too. So CJ kind of, I don't think he got... He got traded for positive value as well, sure. so that, that's worth noting. Gordon Hayward, I think, is definitely... He was playing well at this point. The Hornets were a surprise, and, but he's missed two playoffs in a row, and he, he has not been particularly impressive this year either, and he still has another year to go at $30 million a year after this one, so I think that was a fair inclusion. So if we had to go back and do like a top top three, who would you have? Like knowing so if what we're we talking, know now, knowing what we know now, with? so if we're saying who is most underwater, yeah. Um, so I think I actually think Ben Simmons would be pretty high on my list because he ended up missing an entire year, and we don't know what in the hell he is right now, and his contract runs so much longer than Russ Westbrook is still pretty high on that, and then Kemba Walker. I mean, he's basically kind of gone off the face of the earth over this period of time, and he's still, you know, like if you theoretically held his contract, then you would have gotten out of nine million of it because he was signed with the Knicks. But, I mean, he's, you know, he's getting fully paid for this year, and he's out of the league for now. Yeah, I mean, I think you would have to, like, K-Love is probably off of this list now. Uh, So, I think it's, you know, Blake Griffin might have to be number one, because he was just, like, barely playing. He would get bought out a month after we did this, that pod. So, he's probably going to be number one at that point. So, so just as a point of reference, Griffin at that juncture, so if we count the full 2020 slash 21 season, he had two years, 77, sorry, two years, 75.8 million left. And then Kemba had that, including the that current season, had three years, 108. Yeah, so maybe Kemba should be higher because it went longer. Like yeah, Griffin I, I'd, only have Kemba, went I'd have Kemba as a worse contract. Kemba is a worse contract than um, Blake Griffin for sure. Yeah, and Ben Simmons. I mean, man, God, it does. It's is it at the point where it's hard to imagine him getting back to even being like a player who helps a team? No, much- I, I I think it's a I think it's a distinct possibility. Like I I'm an optimist. I think that there is that there is a chance that he is not permanently broken, but. It's also a lot of money for a long time. And so like if you have to if you have to play the game of will you know like so if we're starting out with the 2020/21 season. So he was going to get 170 million over 5 years. There is more of a chance for him to figure it out than Russell Westbrook to be sure, but he already missed an entire season partially due to the circumstances in Philly and then partially due to the back injury as he was ramping back up again. 
and then he's currently a negative player right now. So I don't think it's a guarantee that'll be there forever, but we've already, and I mean, if we're counting the 2020 slash 21 season, then you bring in the, like what happened in the playoffs, which is a consideration in this, of course. But like, holy shit, can you imagine, like if you had told us when we recorded that podcast on February 17th of 2021, that we could be having a conversation about Ben Simmons on his full remaining contract being worse than Tobias Harris on his like, even as a possibility. Yeah. Well, so we haven't talked about John Wall enough either because he was actually playing as kind of a lower-end starting point guard in that season. And then the fact that he didn't play at all last year, I think it would have been reasonable to assume he could have – now maybe he would have just gotten injured, but that he could have just continued to play at that same level. And he looks pretty decent so far this year, but he also – I mean, they're basically – so I think it's not fair to just ding him for not having played at all last year. I think you got to kind of look at him as, hey, you know what? Like, he, he could have been a $15 million a year player maybe, and he's making in the mid-40s over this time period. Yeah. So certainly deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah. But also, yeah. About $10 million more a year than Kemba, for a point of reference. Yeah. It's a lot of money. So, yeah, I think we probably have to go Kemba number one be just because it continues on this year. And then who else are, are we throwing in here? You, Simmons, I just, he did play well at least the rest of that season, but his goes well, out the longest of any well, of these. And then the other guy, if we're talking about, you know, like kind of the negative value of that contract, in part, I mean, we, we have, of course, the significant benefit they played in that year, but Clay Thompson. I mean, Clay Thompson, when we recorded that podcast, he ended up missing a bunch more time. And then, you know, because he was out basically the first half of the following year. But then he was a, a, a part of a championship team. Though, like, how much benefit you give Clay for that when if he were on, a, you know, if that were on another team, maybe they wouldn't have made the playoffs in the first place and everything else. So, like, he gets some benefit, but it's not like he was Steph Curry. He was still Clay Thompson. Yeah. It, it's just, it's hard to put anyone who contributed positively to winning a championship in, in sure. the top five. Yeah, he's not in the top three, not in yeah. the top five, probably. But yeah, it, granted, though, you're, you, if you were in a different situation, maybe it would it would have been a different. But but part of what makes these contracts good or bad, it's, it's hard to divorce it completely from team context because you know Golden State wasn't like just looking to get off of that money. Like they thought he was going to come back and contribute, and, and he did. Yeah, so I think Wall still has to be in there. I'd probably go Kemba one, Blake two, Simmons just because his story. He could still re rehabilitate himself. He's young enough. I can't go with him three. I probably gotta go Russ three, John Wall four. I think John Wall is just would have been better than Russell Westbrook over this time if he'd been playing. And then probably Simmons five. That seems about right to me. And honorable mention to your DeAndre Jordan, like some of these smaller ones that just like how damaging can it be if you can get off of it for some second round? You don't even have to give up a first to get off of it. All right, we probably got time to do. I guess let's just go back and look at this the previous Wait, list and see if there's can, anything. Interesting. Can we do? Can we do a very quick flashback because it'll just. It'll, I, I know our listeners and it will provide them some joy. One of the one of the documents <laughs> that you shared with me <laughs> is the 2016 worst contracts. Yeah, and actually and, we did a show I think right at the start of Dunked On of best and worst contracts since the lockouts, like over a five year period. I think. Maybe we should do like a three-man pod with you, me, and John where we say the best and worst contracts of the 2017 CBA. But yeah, let, let, let's go back to 2016. That's that's a good way to start. We have like a, another 10 minutes or so before we got to go to the game anyway. So let's that's probably the best use of our time. The glorious sour 16s and... Oh, baby. We, you know, so like... There are there are some truly glorious ones. Remember that the way we usually count it is looking forward beyond that season. And so remember that also yeah. part of the glory of the 2016 version of this is a vast majority of these contracts were signed that same year. Usually it takes a little bit of time for a contract or an extension to sour. Not always, but usually. And a vast majority of these were immediately some degree of that. And the original quintuplets... Of the Sour 16s in some form, former fashion, the former Chicago Bulls teammates, Joakim Noah, three, year, three years, so this is after that first year, $55.6 million over three remaining seasons. Luol Deng, $54 million over three remaining seasons. But then you have to add in their Sour 16 brethren. Evan Turner, $53.6 million over that time, so roughly the same as Luol Deng. Miles Plumley, $37.5 over that time. And then Timofey Mozgov, 48 million over those three years yeah and just to go through the what the initial contracts and some of these were that I, I have all of these seared into my brain by the way danny 
Joakim Noah, four for 72, ended up getting stretched two years early and had a brief cameo coming in, back. In a move I criticized, by the way. <laughs> which you ended up being right to criticize. Yeah. Uh, Turner, I have a note here that at the time we did this, he was 95th out of 99 shooting guards in RPM. Uh, he was four for 70 with the Blazers. Actually was on the team for three seasons, but then ended up getting moved and bought out by the end. Didn't really play in the NBA again. Mozgov was four for 64 and he got dumped immediately in the 2017 offseason with D'Angelo Russell to to pick up Brooke Lopez, which turned out to be kind of a brilliant move, except Brooke Lopez didn't blossom until the year after that. And then Dang was four for 72, another stretch that ended up kind of not paying off for the team in question, the Lakers, but he had a very brief cameo in Minnesota, but it basically, basically was never, I mean, the, the, like that's our student of the crowd. I mean, you had like Mozgov, Dang, and Noah signed their deals and basically were just never heard from again the moment they signed it. They didn't play another Unreal. moment of like impactful basketball the instant they were signed. A player that we can add in there that you had at the time in the still could go badly group, and boy did it, Max or Nothing motherfuckers, Chandler Parsons, three years, $72.3 million. So he was making more than all of these other guys, and then largely due to injuries, he just was never the same player again. Yeah, and, and we thought that might be the case at the time. And Mike Conley actually had that one, uh, a, the largest contract in NBA history that he signed, uh, the five-year max with Memphis that offseason. That turned out to be... Pretty okay. Like he actually signed another lucrative contract after that with the Jazz, and now he's a little bit overpaid. But he, and he was, but he got traded for positive value three years into that deal in the summer of 2019. I mean, let's just go through a oh. few more of these. Wait, wait let's let's here. let's just stay with the Blazers and Blazers related entities. <laughs> Because we could talk about the greatness of Alan Crabb, which is which, like in the annals of bad NBA it, it, contracts, should we get we'll Sean have, Marks on the phone, or will have a truly special place because it was a horrible offer sheet that then got matched and then got traded to the team that made the offer sheet, which is truly incredible. And then, to Sean Marks' credit, they got out of it relatively clean. That was the deal that sort of set the table with the Hawks, set the table for the Kyrie, KD, and DeAndre Jordan additions. But holy shit, was three years, 56, 3.3 million remaining. Was that bad? Yeah, I mean, it was four for 75. We should just say the initial offer sheet. Yeah, if you, or the, I mean, you, you, you're Rain Man. You pretty much have those locked in. And, yeah, and we'll, yeah. we'll stay we'll stay in that we'll stay in that team well so did they they signed andrew nicholson right no or did they trade for no him? remember the i mean the nets their legacy <laughs> and they right. only ended up with one of these guys in the end somehow but four for 50 for tyler johnson who i actually think could have worked out fine as a third guard at that money if he just hadn't suffered as many injuries as he did uh but he basically was like hurting played like one season after that it really was never heard from but the heat matched that the auto porter contract was another one that just really went terribly but that of course got matched by the wizards in 2017 and then nicholson was four years 25 million final year player option basically never played for the nets i remember this it's seared in my brain now the nets are are terrible they're playing in golden state i was just hanging out before the game watching the guys who weren't playing at all work out and i was talking to one of their assistant coaches and then the guy like gets up to go work out andrew nicholson and starts running sprints with him and comes back over afterwards i'm like hey like why do you have to run sprints with him like that it seems like you know like is that really your job and he's like yeah you know it really helps him to have the additional motivation uh and so yeah he ended up getting traded to the blazers and stretched and he's still over on their books he's still on their books for two for this season and another thank you you knew exactly what i was looking at yeah oh, of course sorry. 2.844 million over seven years on the blazers but and how many they've been like right at the luxury tax every one of these years too and like trying to manage that situation um omer ashik was actually one of the few who predated 2016 i mean all of these are terrible like jason smith Got three years, 15 million with a final year player option. Solomon Hill, who we talked about earlier in the program. My Myers Leonard was three for four, or four for 40, something in that range. He, he had 25 in the first half of game four of the 20. 20- 
19 West Finals, and that was about it. Al Jefferson got three for 30 with a, a 4 million partial guarantee in the 18 19 season with the Pacers. Monte Ellis got signed by the Pacers. I think in the 2015 offseason, which was insane. Uh, Austin Rivers got $12 million a year with a final year player option. So yeah, that was the only one of these. Because, you know, we talked about how maybe some people rehabilitated themselves a little bit on that other list. The only one of these, other than Conley, I said that Conley, I wasn't, he wasn't on there. I was just like, oh, this has disaster potential. It didn't end up happening. DJ Augustin at $7 million a year actually ended up working out. He contributed and was like a quality deal on that contract. He got a lot better and was part of that magic playoff team in 2019 like that's every single other one of these was atrocious 2016 the sour 16s where would we be without them where would we be without jared bayless at 10 million a year Danny? i should i should i should go back one of those I, I don't know when i'm gonna have free time again but um and listen to a few of those like Jan- july 1st june 30th podcast from 2016 because like there was that was the that was the off season when we had done a full year of dunked on because we started dunked on in twenty you know in, in yeah in April twenty fifteen and so we did that off season breakdown yeah I, I mean there's never going to be anything like that twenty six season well because I remember like we saw like the Mozgov contract happened like I think the reporting on it was like twenty minutes into free agency We're like, oh yeah what oh, in yeah. the world is going on here uh I I wrote a piece for the Cauldron actually like you know Lakers may regret mozgov commitment and i i read the whole thing i'm like yep 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 this all turned out to be true and then the last sentence was they would have been better off spending this on someone like bismack biombo instead i was like fuck <laughs> why did i have to put, put that last line in there <laughs> i was like i was i was just like yep yep just like every really yeah 2016 he's pretty fucking smart and then <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was just incredible. We'll never have anything like 2016 when we consider the Warriors 73 win season, probably the best playoffs we're ever going to see was 2016. And then that just complete fucking shit show of an off season, like KD coming to the Warriors, all these batshit insane signings with the cap spike that it'll never be topped. And particularly because we were like such ingenues in the business at that point, or at least I was. All right. I, I think that's, that's probably enough for today. <laughs> this is fun we, we could save the rest of this maybe for our just if we do the best and worst contracts of the 2017 cba and uh we'll call it quits i'll see you in like an hour at the game sounds good at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.